Okay, let's get started with this year's Shir Parshas Yisro, Tavshinai and Dalid, along with Tubishvat. Tonight being Tubishvat, we'll start off with a thought on Tubishvat. Tonight's Shir is sponsored in memory of Yitzchak Halevi Ben Peretz, sponsored by Leslie Sullivan in appreciation of uh, all the Shirim and the Divrei Torah that have been an inspiration for her and for her community. So we thank you for the, uh, the sponsorship and the Divrei Torah should be, na- should be an aliyah for the Neshama. Okay. Parshat Yisro. Before we get to Yisro, tonight is Tu B'Shvat. We have the schutz of having this year on Tu B'Shvat. So one thought related to Tu B'Shvat. If you know in Chutzlar, it's Tu B'Shvat uh, meant eating boxer. But uh, in this country, Tu B'Shvat means report cards. So just uh, just change. The whole country gets report cards. Tu B'Shvat time. But uh, either way, but tonight Tu B'Shvat for us means Advar Torah. If you look in the Sefer, Elohim Moadai, in source number one, the Chidah tells us that there are many comparisons between trees and people. There are many comparisons that we can learn from trees and people. After all, the Pasuk says in Parsha Shoftim, Ki Ha'adam Eitz HaSadeh. So there is a Pasuk that compares. But says the Chidar of Chaim Yosef David Azulai that there are deeper connections. Number one, Ha'ilan. Source number one. No se peros lefirov ha'ashka'ah. The more you water the fruit, the more you water the tree, the more and the better the fruit. The more commitment and the more focusing and time and effort that the Baal Hasada, the owner of the tree, puts into his tree, from the sun, from the cold, from the elements, the more protection, the more care that is shown for the tree, the more delicious and sweet the fruit will be. So to a person. Allah Vladas, the more we focus on ourselves, on our religious personalities, on our spiritual pursuits, the more we <coughs> invest and water. The more we water ourselves, the more we focus and invest and care for ourselves. The fruit will show in the end. Number two, Ha'ila no Saint Perosav Derakeva Shana Bishana. The tree gives off fruit every season, never takes a break as long as nothing extreme happens. But every time there's a, the tree is supposed to give its fruit, so it gives the fruit. Kacha Adam, we can never take a break. Oh, I'm not in the mood today to be Mekayim, the Torah, and the Mitzvos. No, every day without missing a moment. There's not a day to take off. Number three, the tree needs water. Without water, it's not going to grow. As the Gemara says, a person called Chiyuso Tluya B'mayim. And therefore, we have to make sure that we water it. We also have to make sure that we water it the right amount. And fertilize it properly. And make sure all the other environmental <coughs> elements are appropriate. So too, man has to make sure that the entire environment, the whole area around history, around himself, is proper. The chevra. The Elon always looks towards the Shemesh, something shining towards it that's helping it grow. A person always needs a Rav. Always needs a Rebbe, a teacher, a Moraderech that shines light on for the person to follow. Like the Gemara says, Pnei Moshe, Achama. And then he says again, the Elon needs the Avir and we need the Avira. We need the proper environment for all of us to, to grow and to blossom. So, Ki Ha'adam When we think of Tu B'Shvat, Rosh Hashanah Li'ilanos, we could also think about ourselves. We could think about the ways that we are likened to a tree and in that way, use it to inspire ourselves as Shvat is looking ahead. Shvat symbolizes newness, even though we have an extra Adar this year. It's an extra month until we get to the Chodesh Hagula, but still, Shvat was always looking ahead throughout the uh, winter, looking towards the spring. Okay, so now we get into Pasha's Yisro, Parsha of Maimon Harsinai. The first Maimon Harsinai, Parsha Yisra has Maimon Harsinai. Mishpatim has a, another, another rendition of Maimon Harsinai. And Perach of Dalid. And then of course, Boaz Chanan, we have the Aseris Hadibros repeated. So we have a couple of thoughts first related to the first half of the Parsha. And then the last couple of thoughts we will have 
uh, have to do with the Aseris Adibris themselves. Now we get into the Parsha. Parsha is Yisra. We start off with the beginning. No better place to start off. Says the Torah. Vayishma, and we'll have a couple of thoughts tonight from places that we have never quoted from before. So it's very exciting. Says the Pasik. Vayishma Yisro, Chohen Midyan, Chosein Moshe. Yisro hears, Eis kol asher Moshe Yisrael amo. Yisro hears everything that Hashem has done for Moshe and for Klal Yisrael, for his son-in-law, and for the Jewish people. Ki hotzi as Hashem Yisrael Mitzrayim. That he took B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Chazal, in Maseches Zvachim, Rashi quotes it, the first Rashi on the Parsha, note that the Pesach says, Yisro heard everything that happened, and then the Pesach, after the Asnachta, the second half of the Pesach says, and he took an Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. As if there's something missing. As if that he didn't only hear about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Because that's the second half of the Pesach. It sounds like he heard everything that occurred, there's no vav there, but it is a separate phrase. That's what drove Chazal to say, maybe Yisrael heard something else also. He didn't just hear about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, but he heard something else. The Gemara lists off three events that he heard. Rashi only quotes two of them. Not for tonight, why did he leave off the third one? That we discuss in other years. Feel free to research that topic uh, yourselves as well. But we're going to deal with another question. So Rashi quotes, Mashmua Shama Uba, what did Yisro hear that made him come? Kriyas Yamsuf Umilchemes Amalek. He hears about Kriyas Yamsuf, last week's parsha, and Mochemes Amalek at the end of last week's parsha as well. Wonderful, those are the two mentioned. The question that the Ksav Sofer asks in source number two is that if you put these two events into the Pasik, Yisro hears, Kriyas Yamsuf, Yisro hears, Melchemes Amalek, continue the Pasuk. And Yisro hears, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Isn't that out of order? Yisro, if he heard everything, and even if you want to see you're going backwards, it's still no. It's as if it says 2, 3, 1. Because it says, Kriyas Yamsuf, Melchemes Amalek, those are in order. And then Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So why is it out of order? Ask the Ksav Sofer. Quotes Rashi, Pirish Rashi, source number two. Mashmu Hashamu Bak, Yes Yamsu Machem Samalik, Vitzarach Lahavin, Hadikh Siv Ki Hotsi Hashem, Hose Hayamukdam. That was earlier. Number one. Question number two. Vigam Lahavin Pirish Mashi, Mashmu Hashamu Bak. What's Rashi emphasizing? Being Madgish there. Right, Mashmu Hashamu Bak. Vayishma. Mashama. Right, Mashmua Shama Ubat, like a double washo. What is Rashi trying to emphasize there? Says the Ksav Sofer, based on a Ramban. Hine Kasav Ramban Beparshas Beshalach. The Ramban wrote in last week's Parsha. Disvurim Hayu. Many thought. Ki Hashem Asa Kalamosim Lahaanish Lapara. We discussed this at length in the past couple of Shiurim, the purpose of the Makos. What exactly was the purpose of the Makos? Was it for Paro? Was it for the Mitzrayim? Was it, what was it to prove Paro? But many thought that the ultimate purpose of the Makos, says the Ramban here, for punishment. To make Paro subjugated unfairly the Jewish people and he needed to get punished. And that's why the Medrash goes through Mida Keneged Mida, as we discussed two, two weeks ago in Makas Choshev, Mida Keneged Mida, of all the Makos to the Jewish people. But, they didn't focus on, many thought they were purely as punishment. But not to be able, not to make possible B'nai Yisrael leaving. Because in Mitzrayim, there's no proof yet that the purpose was to bring the Jews out. It could have been just to punish. If the person would just take, take the Jews out, Hashem could have made just one makah, freeze. Could have frozen the Mitzrayim. Like in Chodesh, okay, Jews leave. But he didn't do that. Dams Akinim. So why did Chodesh Baruch do that? To punish the Mitzrayim. Va'omer, says the Ksav Sofer, that's exactly what Yisro thought originally. When he heard about all the Makos, he says, oh, that doesn't prove that there's a special relationship between Chodesh Baruch and Am Yisrael. The Makos? Okay, they were saved. They weren't separated. But, there's a God. 
Yisro knew every god in the book, right? He was the, the Medrash says that he studied every Avodah that there was to study. And this doesn't prove anything. This just shows that there's a god that's punishing the Jews, punishing the Mitzrayim. What does that have to do with the Bnei Yisrael? Maybe Moshe, maybe my great son-in-law, decided himself that this was a great opportunity to take his people out. Did all the miracles prove anything yet about Am Yisrael? Va'omer line 12. Ki Yisro gamkein, ki sheshama kal asher asa Hashem b'Mitzrayim, savur haya, ki haya lanosh leparo. That's what he thought the purpose was. What did, what did the paper say? How did the, how did the newspapers treat the Makos? Right? They were probably anti-Jewish back then too. Right? They treated it. They didn't focus on the Jewish people. They said, we're getting potched, we're getting hit. Umoshe midas atzmahotzi. Moshe took him out. But that was until you see us Mitzrayim. All of a sudden, now we're at the Yamsuf. That's not just a punishment. To allow the Jews to be ma'afsher, to create, to change nature, to allow Am Yisrael to go free, to go through, that, that's, that's a special relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and Am Yisrael. We, we no longer could say that Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim was just to punish. Because now we see. We see what the continuation is. We see what has transpired. Kishashama kriyas yamsuf. Umelchemes amalek. The sun and the moon stopped. Oz nigla Retroactively, everyone, including Yisro, realizes. Ki hayahakol me'es Hashem letovas Yisrael. Everything is for Am Yisrael. So therefore, let's get back to the Rashi. Rashi, let's, let's continue reading for a second. Hainu. Vayishma Yisro. Mashmua shama ubalut avek Yisrael. What did he hear and internalize so then he can realize the true nature of the events that have occurred over the past couple of months? He hears about Kriyas Yamsav and Mohammed Samalek. Now he can understand. Kihotzi es b'nei Yisrael me'eres b'Israel. He understands that the whole year's worth of events was not just a punishment. But he hears these two and now we can read the second half of the Pasuk. That it's all about taking the Jews out. It's not about having the Mitzrayim punished. Many times we don't realize something until until uh, afterwards. Good, right? And that's similar. We've said this in the past years in uh, in uh, Parsh in uh, Haggadah Shirim, The order at the Seder, Pesach Matzah Maror. Shouldn't Maror be first? Mar should be first. That's what happened first. Matzah b'kunosu b'sayim b'shvach. Right? We have Maror, and then we have, and then Matzah, and then Pesach, or Pesach and Matzah. No, the point is that only once we have the Pesach and the Matzah, we realize the purpose of the Maror. We realize that it was all part of the divine plan. Yisro realizes it was all part of the divine plan only afterwards. Once he seizes the unique events of Kriyas Yamsuf. And Mohammed Samalik, then he appreciates what you see us in Sraim is about. And then says the Ksav Sofer. With this we also understand the Pasik later on in the Parsha. Ubazayishlamalakaman, the Pasik tells us. After he comes and Moshe explains to him, Vayisaper Moshe Lachosno, as Kalasharasalaparulumitsraim, Al Odot Yisrael, as Kalatlasha Matsaasambaderachulu. Al Odot Yisrael. He explained that it was all about Am Yisrael. That's the emphasis that Yisro was realizing now. And Moshe emphasized. Every, anybody could have heard events. But Yisro all of a sudden realizes now what they're all about. He showed him with proof. Everything was about Am Yisrael. He was about the Mon and the Be'er and the Ananim. That was obviously specifically tailored for Am Yisrael from HaKadosh Baruch. Okay, moving right along. So we continue, and we have the first section in the parsha, which, as we know, is Yisro coming, and Moshe Rabbeinu telling him all about the events, and then comes Shani. Pasuk Yud Gimel. Vayihi mimacharos. It was the next day, the following day. It was tomorrow. 
Vayeshev Moshe is for the Zom, and Moshe sits down to judge, and Moshe is there from morning till night, and Yisro says, you can't be doing this, it's terrible, novel, t-ball, you're going to get worn out. Listen to me, listen to my advice. And he gives him advice. And we mentioned in past years, just the one-liner that it's always worth repeating, Rashi quotes, why is, why is the parasha called Yisro? Why is the name Yisro? Sheyiter pachet parasha achas patorah. That there's an extra section in the Torah, an extra parasha in the Torah, va'ata techzeh. You shall see and appoint, you know, new, new, uh, judges to help you out. Many of the commentaries are bothered. Yisro starts with va'yishma Yisro, chosein, there's a lot of psukim before va'ata techzeh. Right, why did it say, yiter parasha achas patorah, va'ata techzeh. Moshe, you shall see and appoint, appoint judges with you. So we mentioned in the past, now the goblets of Yisro was va'ata techzeh. Anybody could sit there and complain. And this is a problem, and this is wrong, and this is a pro- Anybody could sit in the back of the shul and sit in the back of the, of the class and say, oh, there's a problem. But it takes a Yisro to give constructive criticism, give good advice, and come up with the ideas and express how to solve the problems. Va'ata techzeh. That's the goblets of Yisro. When he starts giving the positive Ideas, not just stating the problems. That's the goddess of Yisra. Anyway, that's from past years. So the Pasuk says, by Shani, it was tomorrow. What do you mean tomorrow? What was yesterday? What do you mean Mimachras? Rashi quotes, It was the day after Yom Kippur. That's when Moshe sat down to judge everybody. And what's Mimachras? Lamachras, with the Tomenahar. The next day, with the Tomenahar, he goes down and uh, Rashi goes through the math, how it has to be exactly Motsai Yom Kippur. He goes through, Luchos Rishonos, Luchos Shnios, and a Muktamimurchabatora, according to Rashi. Because remember, Rashi holds that the Mishkan was a Kapara for the Chaita Egel, and therefore Kisisa had to take place in front of Shuma, arguing with the Ramban. Either way, Rashi holds, Mimachras means Motsai Yom Kippur. Says the Ramban, I find that hard to believe. Yom Kippur has not been mentioned in the Torah yet. The Medrash says it, but Mimachras Yom Kippur? We don't know what Yom Kippur is. Mimachras Yom Kippur. Says the Ramban in source number three. After quoting Rashi, which is based on the Medrash, it's not Rashi's fault, it's the Mechilta, says the Ramban, Ve'ein daitam lomar, she'mimachras remez liyom ha'kippurim. Don't take it so literally, says the Ramban, Kedarko Bakodesh. In terms of the Pshuto Shal Mikra. It doesn't say Yom Kippur in the Pasik. How can you tell me it's the day after Yom Kippur? And even the Medrash doesn't mean Mamish the day after. It means a period of time after Yom Kippur. Then he'd eat on Yom Kippur, he goes through the Ode. On that day it was Luchos Achronos, and the next day Moshe went and gave them commands. It couldn't have been exactly the day after Yom Kippur. Okay, the Rabbi says, don't take it literally. Don't take the Medrash literally. The question is, though, the Medrash says, Lomachos Yom Kippurim, even according to the Ramban. Okay, maybe the Ramban is saying, the Medrash says that, but I'm saying this. Explains Rev Salvechik, there's something deeper going on here. In an article in the Shui Harav called, as you see in source number four, the role of the judge. Says the Rav, says Rav Salvechik, the word machar, lumachar, is always connecting today with yesterday. There's a connection there. The question is, and I gave you the whole article, almost the whole article, the question is, the connection, is that meant to parallel today to yesterday? Or to contrast today to yesterday. Depends on context. You have to look at the context. Sometimes in the Torah, you have the word, and it was the next day, and it was the contrast to yesterday. And sometimes, no. Machar means building on what we had yesterday. I come to the following day. And he gives examples. He gives examples. If you turn over the page, source number five. Either we, line seven, line six, we must try to understand the meaning and implications of machar, tomorrow. Either we, on the morrow, either we try to show the importance of this day by connecting it to the previous day, or the Torah can use on the morrow to contrast yesterday and today. Right? It depends. Depends on context. According to the first view, today becomes an appendix of yesterday. There was Kedusha yesterday, and I'm bringing it with me. And according to the second shot, 
No, yesterday was a day of shame, a day of, of darkness. Today, honor, glory. So for example, he quotes, after the Chet Egel, it was on the next day, and Moshe said, Atem chatasem That's a contrast. You did the, Today's going to be a new day. We're going to start over. And the people heard and they mourned. On the morrow, contrast the yesterday, a day of revelry, with the today, a day of regaining morality, reappraising what happened yesterday, a day of tshuva, compared to a day of chait. That's a contrast. Today is the rebirth, yesterday the downfall. Line 21, in a similar vein, when the Torah describes what happened with the Miraglin, after they came and they got the decree, you're stuck in the midbar. The next day, they woke up in the morning. No, we're going to go up. We can go up. They weren't supposed to. But they had a new attitude. There's a contrast there. But on the other hand, sometimes, line 30, the Mara has another connotation. Yesterday is singled out. No change is present, but rather a changeless identity. An experience not yet extinguished with the passage of time. Today is building on yesterday. And that's the significance of the morrow. The Jew refuses to let go of the sanctity he has attained. Today is nothing but a reflection of yesterday. Right? That is Mimachras HaShabbos. Right? The first day of Pesach. Going into the second day of Pesach, we take the Kedusha with us. And we continue. So now we come to this Mahras. Vayihimi Mahras, who was on the next day, and Moshe sits down to judge the people. Says Rev Salvechik. It's not, well, the Rabbah says it's not literal, but the Medrash says it. Says of Salvechik, Moshe Rabbeinu lived his life as if every day was the day of the Yom Kippur. That's the message. The question is, what does that mean? It's a great line. But what does that mean? So every day has to be the day of the Yom Kippur. That's right. We have to take the messages of Yom Kippur with us throughout our lives. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu did, specifically here in Judgment. What is it about Yom Kippur that can help us understand, asked Rav Salvechik, judging properly? What is a judge, what type of attitude and hashkafa does a shofate need that he can learn from Yom Kippur? And that's why the, the shofate, shofate kalahareth, Moshe Rabbeinu here, as he does described in his first mishpat context, it starts off with the Yom Kippur motif, that's the message that is, that is taken with him. So what is it? So Salvechik now describes on the, on the bottom. What is Jewish Mishpat about? If you look on line 48, well, this is the line I just mentioned, whenever Moshe sat in judgment, it was the day after Yom Kippur for him. Why? Most Diniyatar results not in strict halachic decisions, but rather in pshara. There's a concept in Yahadus that really does not exist, at least in the same way, in any other legal system. Pshara. What we call compromise. The best translation that we could have. But what does that mean? What's the goal of most Bati Dinim in the world today? Always do Pshara Karavladin. They try to get a certain level of Pshara. What does that mean? Which, as he says a little bit later, it's based on a Pasik, the Gemara Tanejah tells us, where you have, well, the Pasuk is quoted, I gave you a little bit later, Pasuk by David HaMelech, that he should do tztaka u mishpat. Tztaka and mishpat. And the Gemara says, if it's mishpat, it's not tztaka, and vice versa. Mishpat is strict law, strict judgment. Tztaka sounds like more righteous. A little lifnimishurus I did. Not exactly. They're kind of opposites, the Gemara says. So how do you put stuck and Mishpat together? Pshara, says the Gemara. So what does that mean? What does the Dayan have to do when he is interested in, in Pshara? On the bottom of the page now, on the bottom of number two. Compromise is the ideal legal solution, not strict adherence to legality. After they agree to compromise, the judge still exerts authority to give up Sakdin. But, he's not an, ar- he's, he's a shofate. He's not an arbiter. What does that mean? Continue reading. He explains what the uniqueness of Pshara is. The next page where it says 150 on top. Compromise in Judaism is unique. In other legal systems, the judge may recommend compromise or arbitration. But by doing so, he relinquishes the right to settle the case. Meaning that's not the ultimate what one wants to do. 
That's extra legal. But when it comes to Yahadus, we try to do Pshara. Why? Because in Pshara, there's not one winner and one loser. There's not one party against the other party and my ultimate goal is MS. And one person should go out happy and one person should go out sad. The Shofate is a teacher. The Shofate who tries to bring opposite elements together to try to find a little give, a little flexibility from both sides in order to come up with a solution that's acceptable to everybody involved. Obviously, this is talking about Didi Mominus, not talking about, let's say, Isra Beheter and some other cases where the dying has to know whether there was something's Usr, whether something's Strafe, whether something's Chayv. But in terms of most context, let's see, arguments of Didi Mominus. If you look on the left side where it's underlined, a double goal is pursued which strict legality cannot accomplish. In secular courts, one of the parties involved must get hurt. Judaism does not acknowledge the principle of contradictions. Both parties may be right. But if you have snakes too, but I'm born keechad, but because of Ashlishi, Yechriya Benayam. What does that mean? The Pasuk Ashlishi puts everything together. The Dayan is the Pasuk Ashlishi. Judaism may recognize both the thesis and the antithesis as true. Top right. Both participants give up something. This is judgment that is righteous. And that's what Pshara does. Not to let somebody think they are in the right 100% and somebody else is 100% wrong, but it's to bring them together and to come up with a just, Yet fair, yet something acceptable to everybody involved. What's Yom Kippur about? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect on Yom Kippur, but you know what? We have some excuses. You know, life's difficult sometimes. We're human. There are certain situations. We have Yetzirahs. We have Tivas. We have to try to conquer. Sometimes we succeed. Sometimes we don't succeed. Kaddish Baruch Hu, come on, meet us halfway. Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're doing our best. We're trying. Please, give us another chance. We're going to be better and help us and help us. Come on, meet us. Give us a pshara. It's a compromise with us. Help us out. That's the message of Yom Kippur. Each side gives a little. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't use his midas hadin on Yom Kippur to the fullest extent. But he's not a vatran either. He doesn't just say, okay, do whatever you want. So we have to give and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to give. And that's the message of Yom Kippur, and that's why. Moshe Rabbeinu takes the message of Yom Kippur with him when he sits down in Mishpat, when he sits down in judgment. See on the bottom right now. Man can't always be right. He is a sinner. Yet he is not absolutely wrong either. While practicing justice, one must constantly be aware of the lesson and moral of Yom Kippur. And that was the lesson of Moshe Rabbeinu. He was taught by HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the... Of course, there was no Yom Kippur yet in the Torah. But Moshe Rabbeinu knew about it. He knew the message of Yom Kippur. And therefore, that's the message that he took with him throughout. And he continues, we're not going to read it all inside, that the idea of a shofet is not just what we translate as judge. What does judge mean? It means also to teach. Dvorah Hanaviyah. Talks about she was a shofetess, but she was the leader of Kal Yisrael. She helped make decisions, right? She shaped the the uh, generation in which she lived. That's the purpose of a judge. Unlike in other legal systems, we take the message of Yom Kippur with us as we go into it. So we have Rashi, the Ramban, and Rav Salvation. Okay, moving right along. We're getting up to Harsina. We're getting closer. Perak Yutes, they come to Midbar Sinai, they left Rafidim, and Moshe Rabbeinu goes up. Goes up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him the command, says, I've taken you, you Jewish, uh, on wings of eagles, and it's time for you to be <coughs> my treasured nasim. Ask Moshe, Moshe, please ask them to be my Mamlachas Kohanim Begai Kadosh. Asked them to be my chosen nation. Moshe Rabbeinu goes down and he asked them and the answer, Nah says, yes, we'll do it. Hashem, Moshe goes back and says, God, they accept. Hashem goes to Moshe and says, okay, now, and I'm going to come to you, and Hashem tells Moshe, make them ready for three days. Make a gvul. Make a boundary around the mountain. They cannot come up. They cannot come on Harsinai. After I leave, yes. 
But not now. He shamru lachem alos bar nagobakatsayu. Make them be careful not to go up the mountain. Whoever goes up the mountain will die. No animals, nothing. Moshe make sure you tell them. Okay? Pasuk Yudalid, Vayerin Moshe Minahar Elaam, and Moshe sanctifies the people, and he tells them, don't be your wives, and he gave them the Mestami, he told them everything Hashem told them to do. Can't go near Harsinai. Don't go near Harsinai. Good. We continue the story. Vaharsinai, Harsinai is up in smoke, and there's, it's smoking, and there's fire, and there's, and there's lightning, and thunder, and the chauffeur, and everything is, they're scared. Hashem says to Moshe, one more time, Pasach Hafalaf, raid Ha'ed Ba'ah, Moshe, quickly go down. Maybe they're going to come up the mountain, make sure you tell them the halachas. Moshe told Hashem, I told them already. I t- you told me this already. I told them already. So you might say, Hashem is saying, just, it's Bishas Maisa, so give them another warning. But let's look at Rash. Moshe says to Hashem, in Pasach Hafgimel, they can't go up. You've already warned them. Hashem says, no, go down. Have everybody go down and you come up yourself. Why did Hashem repeat this? Okay, maybe he wanted to emphasize it. When they see the lightning and the thunder and the fire, they might want to run up. But what's Moshe's answer? How would we translate lo yuchal? They are not able. They are not able to come up. What does Rashi say? Lo yuchal ha'am, Pasach of Gimel. Eni tzarech l'ha'id bahem. I don't have to warn them. Shaharei musrin va'omdim heim hayom shloshes yamin. They're already warned. Velo yuchlu la'alos. They can't go up. She'ein lahem rishus. Because they have no permission. I told them it's usr. They have no permission. So it's not a question, but it's a ha'ara. The Torah formulates it as, lo yuchal alot, they can't go up. If I say, lo uchal, I'm not able, usually that is a physical impediment. There's something, I can't do it, physically, lo yuchal, lo yuchal ha'am, lo uchal, oh, he can't do it, he's physically not able to do it. What does Rashi say? Ein lahem rishus. That's a little switch. They have no permission. Why does Rashi say that? They have no permission. That's what it means. Lo yuchal ha'am. It's a fascinating ha'ara. If you look in the next source, I found the sefer that was put out about seventy years ago, the nineteen fifties. It was a sefer that was put out. Lozecher Nishmas, Rav Zev Gold. It's one of the founders of the Torah Das, one of the one of the signers on the Israeli Declaration of Independence. Very a major figure. In the uh, early part of the of the 20th century, so there was a, a lot of uh, different Torah on the parsha called Sion Min HaTorah. So there was an article there by I'm not sure who the who this Rav is, Rav Nachamendel Letterman. So he has an article there about this Rashi, and he mentions. Let's start with the first paragraph, and then we'll see an amazing, amazing Ha'ara that we might not have ever thought about, or it's a, it's an obvious one, but it's very interesting to think about. Yisoda Yisoda Shodas Yisrael LaHashris Adam. The, a basic tenet of our faith is for us, obviously, to follow the mitzvos and skip to, uh, two lines. What is the purpose of mitzvos in general? Mitzvos in general have two purposes. Number one, to do the mitzvah because doing the mitzvah brings us close to Hashem, fulfills exactly what God has commanded us to do. That's the purpose of every, of every mitzvah. Hashem told me to do it, and I do it, and I fulfill it. But there's a second element of every mitzvah. To make myself a person who does mitzvahs. Mitzvah goreris mitzvah. And every time I do a mitzvah, as the Sefer Chinuch says, every mitzvah affects my religious personality. And a Kaddish Baruch who knows how to perfect my religious personality. There are six, at least 613 ways that he has told us what to do and what not to do. That's the second purpose of a mitzvah. Through the mitzvahs, we refine ourselves and we make it natural for us to do mitzvahs. So number one is the mitzvah itself and number two is what it does to me. To do the chesed and to become a baal chesed. 
to do the mitzvah and to become a Baal mitzvah, somebody who does mitzvahs. Step one. So now he says in the second paragraph, there are two opposite ideas which we know to be true in Yahadus, but they kind of they kind of go against each other. There is, as we know, an element in Chazal that there has to remain a newness in our avoda every day. Things can't get stale. We have to serve Hashem with an excitement. It can't be by rote. The Mishnah says, I say to, uh, we, we're not allowed to make our tefillah keva. Right? We have to... We have to be excited and new and, and, and nothing like yesterday. Nothing natural. Everything's anew. But on the other hand, says Rabbi Letterman, we have to make mitzvot so part of us that we do it naturally. And as David Melech says, I walk outside my house and my palace and I end up in the base bedroom. I know I was going to go somewhere else, but my, my legs just led me here. Because naturally, when somebody is involved in mitzvot, it is supposed to make them naturally do more mitzvahs. So these ideas work in opposite ways. On the one hand, everything has to be new and exciting and nothing wrote. And on the other hand, we have to make mitzvahs part of us that we do it automatically, so to speak. Even though every day has to be as if we had Kabbalah Satorah today, but deep down the ultimate purpose of mitzvahs, is to make it part of us, and it's like we don't even have to think about it. We have to just do it automatically. We have to. They're opposite ideas, but we have to. We have to think about both of them. To make a person's path and to train him and lead him. And these are opposites, but this is what our job is about. It's about feeling the newness at the same time accustom ourselves that we don't even have to think about it because we've been doing it and it's part of who we are. He says that's the secret of our Rashi. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Lo yuchal, they can't. What do you mean they can't? Ein lahem They don't have permission because that's what a Jew is. A Jew is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reality defines our reality. If Hashem says it's Asr, I can't. Even though I can, but I can't. Because that's what a mitzvah does to me. Once I have the command, you could put a piece, uh, you could put a, 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 a scoop of somebody's favorite ice cream in front of them. If they're fleshy, they're not going to eat it. Because that's what a Jew does. They physically can't do it. They can't. If somebody's on a diet, they can do it. Right? If somebody's on a diet, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll cheat a little bit here. If somebody's placed, they're not going to cheat. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Lo yucha la'alos. Rashi says, Eilam Rishus. That's their reality. And he says, second column in the middle, V'zeh Shabir Rashi Eilam Rishus. Lo ben Yisrael nasa tzivu yashem davar mamashi kolkach ki'ilu nedru kochosav evarava. It's as if I physically am unable to do that. V'shaper ka'amar ki'ilu chomo medes minegos. Like there's a wall there. Like there's a wall there. I physically can't. Like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Sorry about Ramosha Feinstein. That he was, he finished one Asray, and there was somebody, there's some Yeshiva Bachar that was saying, saying Shmon Asray behind him. And Moshe, everybody was waiting for Moshe to finish, and, and he didn't take a steps back, as the Halacha says. You're not allowed to take steps back if somebody's standing behind you. And they asked Ramosha afterwards. Moshe, like, Ramosha, he could have, like, gone diagonally. You know, we all do that trick. And he could have, like, oh, you're, you're the Gadol Adar. So Ramosha said, there was a brick wall behind me. I don't know what you're talking about. There was a brick wall. I couldn't move. That's, that's the reality. The Hashem's reality is our reality. And he says, he says, that's not only the, the Ramosha Feinsteins, but it's all of us. Look what he says. What do we say? I can't eat this. I can't. How can I eat? I can't eat it. I didn't dab it. What do you mean? What do you mean you can't? You can eat. What do you mean? What do you mean? I can't eat. I physically can't eat. Because that, even, even in the jargon, the language that a Jew uses is, is part of how we have conditioned ourselves. We just have to condition ourselves more and more for more mitzvahs. Certain things we have to get more under our belt in order to, to um, reach, the proper, reach the proper level. 
says that's that's the message of this Rashi. Of our reality is defined by the mitzvahs. But in general, there's this irony in our lives that we have to, on the one hand, make it part of who we are, but never lose the excitement and never lose the newness, even though it becomes part of our personality. Okay. Next. Next issue to discuss, source number six we're going to go to, is a question that we discussed two summers ago in Parshas Vayeschanan. I'm going to repeat one source because there's an additional point. So if anybody's saying, oh, he said this before, but uh, there'll be a new idea here. A question that probably we all have wondered about as we get into the Aseris Adibros for the rest of the evening. There are many differences between the Aseris Adibros in Yisro and Vayeschanan. Probably the most famous difference being the first word regarding the mitzvah of Shabbos. Zachar v'shamar, as Rashi quotes, Zachar v'shamar v'dibur echa namru. says, Zachar in Yisrael, it says, Shamar in Vazchana. And the question that is asked by none other than the Ramban is, what did it say on the Luchos? What did it say on the Luchos? Zachar or Shamar? Or it didn't say both. So what did it say? Right, what did it say? So, rove shuls in the world, paskin Zachar. That's, that's the, that's the Menaga Olam. So I was speaking to one of my, uh, one of the other Rabbi Yeshiva this week, he said, mentioned this one shul that he knows of, they like to be different, and they wrote Shomar. Okay. But, but the Minna Ga'olam is Zohar. But is that correct? Is that based on something? Thrumban's Kasha. What did it say on that Sarah's difference? There's a lot of differences. Says, there are extra vavs in the second one. Says the Ramban, quote in the beginning of source number, I'm sorry, I didn't write what it is. It's uh, source number seven. Oh, I skipped it. It's on the bottom. You can add in 6a. It's Divrei Harav. Rav Shafter's third safer on Rav Salvechik. On the bottom right, of uh, right next to source number six, I forgot to write it in. It says Divrei Harav from Rav Shafter's third safer on on the Rav. So he quotes the Ramban. Ein Ramban Sheherich. V'yani Tama on the second line. Im nom ruzacha v'shamar v'pi agvura lama lo nechta v'luchas v'shonos. So there are, before we even get to the Ramban's answer, there are some that suggest well, maybe the first Luchos had Zohar and the second Luchos had Shomar. And that's Yisro and Vaschanan. Even though it doesn't sound that way from the story, Moshe Rabbeinu and Vaschanan is repeating the Aseros Adivros. He's not saying, oh, those were the first, these were the second. But that's the Maharami Prague uh, uh, suggests that. So there are those that suggest first and second Luchos. The Ramban says otherwise, though. The Ramban says, I just gave it to you here, it's quoted here, V'yitachin, it's possible. Shahaya Baluchos Harishonos Ubishnios Kasav Zachar. It said Zachar. It said Yisro. It said the first rendition in the Torah. Umoshe Pireshli Yisrael Kishomar Nemarimo. Yisro is what it said. Voeschanan is Moshe's explanation and expansion of what it says. That's the Ramban. Says Rav Salvechik again, second one of the evening, line five. I think what the Ramban says is correct. Because what does it say when Moshe Rabbeinu gets the command for the second Luchos? Hashem says, write exactly what we said the first time. You can't say that the first and second one had differences. Was exactly the same The differences weren't what was written on them, but the difference was how Moshe Rabbeinu explained it. Says that was the difference. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the same set of luchos, but he explained it. It's not only Zohar, it's Shomar. It's not only this, there's expansions on the ideas. And says Rev Salvechik, that also helps explain a very difficult Gemara in Babakama that many the Rishonim already are bothered by. There's a Gemara in Babakama that discusses what was, there were certain letters that were not in the Aseris Adibros. Certain letters didn't appear. So the Gemara says that one of the Tanaim, one of the Amoraim, asked another Amora. Shah Rabbi Chanina Rabbi Chia, one of the Gdoli Amoraim, 
Why does the Dibros Shneos have Tov in it? The word Tov and not the first ones. Amar Lei, before you ask me whether it has, this one has, this one doesn't have, I'm not sure. Does it have? She'eni yodeya, no marbem tovim lav. says, I'm not sure what it says in the Yasser HaSedibros. The Gebar and Baba, the, 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 and you see on the side it says, Tosin Babasra quotes that sometimes the Amoram forgot some sukkim. I mean, the Yasser HaSedibros? They knew Tanakh by heart. Right, they, they, we showed them Tanakh by heart. The Amorayim were, they did Trias HaMesim. You're telling me they didn't know a Pasuk in the Yasser HaSedibros? It's very difficult. What's the Gemar talking about? Rebbe didn't know a Pasuk? Says Rev Salvechik and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, which we quoted two summers ago in Vaischanan, says the same idea. Of course he you know the Psukim. He writes it in, a, in his own formulation. But Rev Salvechik says, this is the Pshat. He didn't know what was written and what was Moshe's explanation of it. That's why he wasn't clear on it. Luchoshnios was a second rendition of Lucho, was was exactly the same on the first ones. But how much was, what was written and what was explained about Peh? That's what he wasn't clear about. What did Moshe add? That's why it wasn't clear. Or in the words of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, which I gave you in the next source, there were Krees and Ksivs. And we're not sure which was the Kree and which was the Ksiv. But there was only one thing written. He's noted to say, interestingly, Shomar was on the Luchos and not Zachar. Why? Because we say it in Davening. Every every Shabbos morning, Yislach Moshe Manas Chalko Shnei Luchos and Korbi Adov Kasev Bohem Shmira Shabbos Veten Kasev Sarasecha. Okay, it's not a Ryan Mochachas. Let's say Shomor Shmira Shabbos could also be Zachar, but Shmira Shabbos we say in Shabbos morning. But either way, both are of Yaakov Kamenetsky, both are of Salvei based on the Ramban, based on the Ramban, it only said one thing. We might not be sure though which one was said, and that's why the Gemara Baba Kama Rabbi Chia wasn't sure. Not because he didn't know Pesukim. Of course, he knew the Torah by heart. But he wasn't sure how much was Torah Shabbat and how much was Torah Shabbat. Okay. Moving right along. There is a Zohar. There's a Zohar. Source number eight. The Gra comments on the Zohar, so we have to do the Zohar. So the nephew of the Gra quotes that it says in the Zohar, you see it on the line two in source number eight. I'm not going to read the whole Rabbi now, but that's what we quoted a couple of summers ago. This is what the Zohar says. The left is included in the right. And whatever's on the left is in the right. That's it. And this is something that is hidden. What does that mean? What does that mean? That the left is in the right. So just the Ha'ara says the Gra. What's left, what's right? Api Kabbalah, because we're talking about Kabbalistic Midos of Hashem. Says the Gra, the part that's not so hard to understand is right is the right Luach and left is the left Luach. Okay, so far so good. Right? The first five is the right, the second five are the left. Vahayat Sarech Lichtov Pchamesha Dibroshal Yamin Bishem Havaya. Says the Gra, right always symbolizes Hashem's Chesed. That's the strong. Left always symbolizes his din, his strict judgment, says the Gra. Yemin is chesed, that's the stronger, that's why the Shulchan Aruch says, when we wash our hands, what do we fill the cup? We wash our right hands first, right, left, right, left, or right, right, left, left. But the Shulchan Aruch says, that we, or the Mishnah Brewer adds to this, that when we fill the cup up, even though we're going to use our left hand first to, right, to wash our right hand, you're supposed to hold the cup when it's getting filled up with the right hand. Because right is chesed. And chesed should over be, be stronger than din. That's a halacha, but foreshes. So the Gra says, right is chesed, left is din. So the right side should have yud kevavke. If you're splitting it up, that's shame of chesed. Elokim is shame of din. That should be on the left side. But if you look at the Azaraz Adibros... All the Elohims, over and over again, are on the right side. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Elokecha, Lashon of Elokim. They're all on the right. Because Hashem knew that you can't have separate din and rachamim in this world. You can't have any separate din. you got to mix it all in with chesed. And Hashem, who is the Baal chesed, who there's nothing, even Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of judgment, is full of chesed. 
of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says the Grah, that the left is all in the right, and it's mixed into the right. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want to leave any din. Rashi quotes it in Parshish Brashish. Brashish bar elokim, it's Hashemayim Vesaharat. Hashem wanted to create the world with din, but it didn't work. So he created it with Chesed. Yudke Vavke. That's the left and the right. Okay, that's the Grah. That's the Zohar Yomi. We're Yotze, and now we, and now we continue for the last two thoughts of the evening. First is a machlokas. Source number 10, a machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam notes, it's a machlokas which the Meshachachma comments on. The Rambam notes that we have Aseris Hadibros, but there aren't Aseris Mitzvos. The Rabban says there are more mitzvos than ten in those ten dibros. The Rabban counts in dibra number two, in dibra number two, there are four averos. Lo yilacha, lo sase. Right, there are four, four averos in dibra number two, says the Rabban. Says the Rambam. If you look in the Sefer mitzvahs, in our mitzvah shir, right, there's lo sase lecha lo sashtachem elohem, lo saavdeim. Right, four mitzvos. And, and, and lo yilacha, the first one. And the Ramban can't fathom that. Four mitzvos? That goes against the Chazal. Which Chazal? The Chazal that we all know. How do you know there are 613 mitzvos? How do I know that? Because, the Gemara says at the end of Makkas, Torah tzivalanu Moshe, Moshe gave us 611, Torah is gematria 611, and two we heard straight from Hashem. Anochi and lo yilacha, we heard straight from Hashem. So two mitzvot straight from Hashem, 611 we heard from Moshe Rabbeinu. Wonderful the math works. Asks the Ramban on the Rambam, according to the Rambam, lo is four. So what are you talking about? You heard two straight from Hashem. You heard five straight from Hashem. The math doesn't work. What does it mean? Anochi v'lo According to the Rambam, there's more than two mitzvot there. So the whole Chazal doesn't work. And the Rambam agrees. The Rambam quotes that Chazal. Says the Meshachachma, no problem. You have to read the Rambam. But in the classic Meshachachma way, you have to read the Rambams, all the Rambams. Meaning, not just Mishnah Torah. You want to know the answer to this question, says the Meshachachma, you got to read the Marnavuchim. Because in the Mar Nebuchadnezzar, the Rambam explains what does it mean, Anochi v'lo yilacha shmanu. Just say it outside to save time. Says the Rambam in Mar Nebuchadnezzar. I gave you the quote of the Mar Nebuchadnezzar in source number 11, but the Meshachachma paraphrases it. B'nai Yisrael did not hear any words from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They didn't hear Anochi Hashem Elokecha. They didn't hear lo yilacha lahem They didn't hear any of that. Says the Rambam, you know what happened? There was just a Hiskalus Elokus. There was a divine revelation. They, they recognized something, something divine at that moment, which made them realize. It wasn't that HaKadosh Baruch Hu verbally, divinely verbally said something. They heard the words. It was the experience. Anochi that experience that they went through with the Kolos and the Brachim, that they went through now, this is Parsha, Maimon Arsinai, that experience taught them Anochi Vlo So that Chazal, it, don't focus on details. Yes, details, there are four mitzvahs counted. But the experience of belief in God and not believing in anybody else says, those two ideas. There are more details in the, when Moshe Rabbeinu was dictated the Torah by Hashem to put on the luchos. So it said all, everything that we have. But the experience of there were no words. That was just, there is a God, there is nobody else. Just two. And that's how it could add up to the 611 based on the Gemara and the end of Mesechus Makos. They didn't hear all the details, which are four. They had just had the experience, which then leads to the positive and the negative. Okay, the last source for the evening is a special one. This is, there's a beautiful set of svarim from Rabbi Cement in Chicago on the Sefer HaMitzvahs of the Rambam. Sefer HaMitzvahs of the Rambam, the essays. He has three volumes out on the essays. We're still waiting for the Los essays, and Be'ez Hashem, he should uh, hopefully come out with them soon. Says in, the, so in, in his three volumes, in the Hakdama to the second volume, 
he talks about the Aseris Adibras. And he asks a simple question, among other questions. Why are these mitzvahs chosen? A couple of them you could understand. Okay, belief in God, lo yelecha. We would put those, if we had to write the Aseris, if we had top ten mitzvahs, probably a few of them we would have put there too. Right, belief in Hashem, Shabbos probably would be up there. Okay. But all of the Los Asseis, okay, they're pretty basic. Losana Brecha H. Shaker. That's such a defining mitzvah. Losachmod, and they're important. But there's a lot of important mitzvahs that aren't on the Aseris Adibros. So why were these chosen? He writes in Surah number 12, where it's underlined, Bishlama mitzvahs Rishonos, Yichud Hashem, Yiras Hashem. Fine. Why? What's unique about those mitzvahs? Question one. Question two. Again, there's more here, but we'll just do a couple of its questions. Question two. On the next page. The Atheris Hadibros are called in Kisisa a bris, a covenant. You see on the top line, What kind of covenant, what kind of bris is there? What does the Aserah Sedibra symbolize? Question two. Question three, we might add. The Pasuk says on line eight, this week's parasha, don't fear. Hashem wants to test you. What does Rashi say there? He wants to uplift you. How did the Aseris Adibros uplift us? How did those mitzvot specifically uplift Klal Yisrael? And one more. And then we get to the answer. It's all here. Line 12. The Pasuk says at the end of the parasha, so that you have fear on your faces of the Gemara and Adarim Darshins, Busha. There's a certain humility, Busha, meek, being meek in front of God that we were taught from the Aseris and Dibris. What was it about these? So he said it's based on a measures that we're familiar with. All of these, we have a whole new appreciation of the Aseris and Dibris. The measures tells us, he quotes to the Sifri and Zosah Bracha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu went around to all the other nations of the world, before he offered the Torah to Klal Yisrael. And he goes to Esav. It says, You want the Torah? And they say, We've spoken about this message in the past. What does it say in it? Then he say, he say, Hashem says, oh, sir, They say, That's our nature. Our mahus is to kill. Forget it. Goes to Ammon and Moab. You want the Torah? Makasivba. Lo sinaf. Kol atzma shel erva shel ami. What are you talking about? That's what we do for a living. That's in our mahus. Yishmael. You want the Torah? Makasivba. Lo signov. What's their answer? Kol atzma shel aviyem listim haya. That's our mahus. What's going on here? Aseret HaDibros was about creating the Jewish people. The final stage, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, the final stage, this was going to be the covenant. Because now they were going to become Am Yisrael. Meshubit to Hashem through the Torah. And they did that by saying Nasev and Ishma. How do they do that? First of all, by accepting that I am your creator, I am your God. That's Anoche Hashem Elokecha, Lo Yilcholachem That's Shabbos. That's Kibbut Ava'im, which also is connected to recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what the Sefer HaChinuch says. And, what does the Gemara say, as we mentioned? What did they learn? They learned Busha. What does the Gemara say in Yevamos? There are three Midos that a Jew has. Rachmanim, Baishanim, Begomle, Chasadim. We got those Midos at Harsinai. Through the acceptance of these mitzvos, as we'll go through in a minute. And, by accepting to reject the mitos of the other nations. Because what do you see from that Sifri and Zosabracha? Ritzicha defines Esav. Neof defines Ammon and Moab. Geneva defines other nations. We had to reject those specific Isurim to become Am Yisrael. For the Bris to become a Baruch Hu's people. 
And that's what uplifted us. That's what to be. We have to be a school of Amim. And that's what he says on the bottom. Lo sirtzach is Esav. Lo sinov amon emorav. Lo signov Yishmael. It's all about connecting. And then he quotes the three simanim on the, on the, on the back page. Rachmanim, Baishanim, Gomli, Chasadim. Lo sanabrecha it shaker. That's busha. Why? Because the Gemara says you would never have the audacity to say false testimony in front of people that know you're lying. Ain't other mayus panav. That's busha. Lo sachmod is chesed. Right? Lo sirtzach is rachmanim b'ishanim v'gom lechasadim. So each of the mitzvos, lo yil, lo sisa has to be part of also recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Each of the mitzvos in the Aseros Hadibros is about defining who we are and rejecting all the other nations of the world who they are. And that's why it's a bris, and that's the experience of Maimon Harsinai. Everyone is specifically tailored to create an Am Hashem. We'll stop here. Hashem again, want again thank the sponsorship. Thank Leslie Sullivan for sponsoring in memory of Yitzchak Halevi Ben Peretz. Hashem, the Ben Shama should have an Aliyah.